This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, August, August, October 3rd, 2022. We have now begun the fourth quarter, and it's been a volatile year. We saw that on a Friday uh, and really the end of last week, and punctuated, not punctuated, but you know, in the middle of last week, you had a big rally, then some sell-offs, and today, another big rally. And the big question is, are you prepared for this volatility? Is this volatility making you queasy? Is it making you feel like you want to just sell everything and go to cash? Well, in weeks like last week or just last month, that's a very common emotion. And if you're on the brink of doing that, that probably means you're taking too much risk in your portfolio. So that's number one, thinking of the overall risk that you're taking. And then you have a day like today, pretty big turnaround day. And if you held and it didn't make you queasy, right? The September volatility and the volatility for this year didn't make you queasy. Did you outperform? or underperform the market today? Or you didn't liquidate, you held through it, you had this big up day. Did you do better than the broad market or not? And that's the question of, are you positioned well? So there's different aspects to managing your portfolio, managing your investment situation and Some involves risk and others involve simply positioning in the right sectors, companies, asset classes, et cetera. Now I'm Justin Klein and I'm excited for this Invest Talk podcast. And the goal here is to help answer your finance and investment questions and get you on the right track or keep you on the right track. Maybe you are on the right track, but we can always go off the right track, listening to the wrong things using emotion in our decision-making process and not paying attention to what's happening on the ground. So the phone number is always 888-99-CHART. It's our 24-hour listener line. And you can call, leave a message, we'll answer on a future show. Or if you're listening live during our 4 to 5 Pacific time hour, you can call and talk to me directly. And I've got a packed podcast for you today. My main focus point is in regards to major ways debt can affect your ability to buy a home. So we talk a lot about investing on this show, but personal finance is just as important. So sometimes I really like to bring up these personal finance uh, topics just to bring things back to center, which is good management of your money, your income and your expenses. And without that, you won't be able to maximize the amount of capital that you will have to invest. 
everyone gets excited and interested about the investing side, but the boring side of just good personal finance is ultimately the, the bedrock of financial freedom and retirement. So we're going to look at the various factors that go into your debt situation and potentially buying a home at some point, and we're going into a buyer's market. So it's becoming even more important. Now, time permitting, I want to talk about some other things as well. Talk about the strong dollar and how it's helping some corporations and hurting others. And we're going to discuss which ones those are. Also, a bill, or not a bill, a plan by JP Morgan to kill the credit card networks. This is big. Something not a lot of people are really focused on enough, I think, because it's inertia of MasterCard and Visa and American Express and and it doesn't need to be that way. And it probably won't be that way long term. Especially when you look at what's happening in other countries. And JP Morgan is looking for ways to kind of upend that business, even though they make a lot of money from it. So we're going to look at that. And then lastly, why are interest rates going up everywhere except your savings account? A lot of people probably wondering. So getting less than half a percent on their savings account, most likely in their bank. Why is that? when mortgage rates are 7%, 10-year treasuries at 4%. So we're gonna look at that. So those are things that are on the docket for me today, but ultimately, I wanna know what's on your mind. We have some voice bank input ready on deck for Target and FedEx. And then my perspective looks at the stock market September effect going all the way back to 1928. So I've got all this on Invest Talk today. And of course, your live calls at 888-99-CHART. Now let's go to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Dave from Minnesota. Thanks for taking my call. Today, I would like to know uh, your thoughts on a couple of silver miners, Fortuna Silver Mines, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, M as in Mike, and Pan American Silver, P as in Patrick, A as in Andrew, and Sam. I've been in these stocks for a couple of years now, and I'm actually down pretty big right now due to silver dropping so much. I'm wondering if you think that I should add to these positions or get rid of them and find different miners. Well, what you're looking at are two of the better silver miners out there. Fortuna Silver, uh, they have mines in Argentina, Mexico, Peru. We actually own a little bit of this in uh, some of our managed accounts and well diversified, very well run silver miner. Uh, Pan American, very similar, also well run. And, but a little bit larger, actually much larger. So you're you're looking at two of the better ones in the sector. And Fortuna, that was up 8.13% today. Pan American Silver, let's see, what was that up today? 6.23. So what you're getting here are two well-run miners. And the bigger one naturally is going to be a little less volatile to the downside as well as the upside. So... Pan America is the safer choice, pays uh, a, a, a dividend, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, pays a dividend, naturally. That's going to be uh, steadier. Whereas Fortuna, it doesn't, but it's going to be more volatile both ways. So uh, I do think this is a good time to get into precious metals. You're seeing that right now. Big turn in silver. Uh, that happened a couple weeks ago. You're starting to get some fall through, especially today. We had one of the largest moves ever in silver prices. And gold kind of followed suit. And it's kind of sniffing out that Fed pivot that is starting to slowly get built, get get priced into the market. So 
really bad sentiment within the space. And all you need is, I think it's a Fed pivot and a little bit weaker dollar and these things are going to fly. So I do think this is a good time to add, but don't get too overweight. You have to make sure you understand your risk. Now we're moving into a break. Steve and I are happy to play your recorded voice bank questions, but we love taking live calls Hello, as my well. Name is James. And our number never changes and it never closes on a best talk at 888 chart Slip up there. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. We're going to go down to Oceanside, just a little bit south of me, and we're going to talk to Carl. He's looking at BLTR. Yes, it's Palantir. I heard some person on YouTube, and he said Palantir has no debt. I was looking at Palantir. I see they have no earnings. Can you check if they have no debt? Uh, you're, they don't have any long-term debt, total long-term debt zero. So they have net about 2.7 billion in cash on their balance sheet. And that's because they've raised a, you know, a bunch of, bunch of equity, uh, recent IPO. Now they're, they are burning through capital and they are, uh, they're losing money. You're correct. Uh, but they, they don't have any debt. That's Palantir PLTR. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks it, for the call. It has come down. It has okay. come down a, a lot from the high, and uh, I'm wondering. Take a shot on that thing. Well, it is down. It's one of those big, growthy companies, and it went up to pretty insane valuation. Uh, about an ounce down, seventy percent from its high. But you're right. It is barely actually. It's actually profitable, uh, but it's barely profitable. It's still trading at roughly a hundred times earnings, uh, and earnings expectation for this year, and next year are coming down. They lost money last quarter. So what is the trend there? It's still a seventeen billion dollar market cap, doing about 
a billion and a half in revenue, 10 times, too expensive. So it's still, just because it has no debt uh, doesn't mean that it's cheap. It's still expensive in my book. So, and the technicals are not exciting. So not a name that I would be buying in this market. Thanks for the call. That was Palantir, P-L-T-R. Now my focus point concerns the story behind this headline. Three major ways debt can affect your ability to buy a home. And for the first time in a while, even though interest rates are up, home prices are likely to come down and to levels that I think it's going to be more reasonable for people to buy. And remember, you have to put 20% of your uh, of the price of the home down. You should. You should never do the 3% thing just to squeeze yourself in. Um, so when prices come down, it's going to be more accessible to more people. So you have to think about the debt, your debt situation, your debt habits, so that when you are ready to pull that trigger, you, you, you will be lent to. And so the first is to show lenders you can handle paying back loans, whether that is completely paying off your student loans or your car loans, whatever that is, that's helpful. Also, managing multiple credit cards, not just one, for at least five years, that would be nice that, that, that uh, creditors like to see. And if you don't have any history of managing debt, like you have one credit card, well, lenders aren't going to feel that comfortable with you. So having some history on multiple accounts certainly goes a long way. Then there's managing your debt well. And that's having a good credit score. We know that it needs to be at least 620 or higher. But what makes up that credit score? 35% of his payment history, so make sure you're paying on time. 30% of that is how much you owe uh, in how much you owe in total. Your credit utilization. So if you only have $5,000 in total credit outstanding, but you have $2500 in debt, whether it's credit card debt or whatever, your utilization on your credit card is 50%. If you have 100,000 in total credit, but you have 2500, that's only 2.5%. That's very low. So make sure you keep that limited. Usually below 30% is what you want. And that's why canceling credit cards is not a good idea. Even they sometimes they force you to. I have a good example. Uh, I have a Discover card. I don't know why. Uh, I haven't had it. I haven't used it in years. I have usually used two credit cards, my Amex and then uh, a hotel rewards card. So I just use them for rewards. And basically, uh, Discover said, I'm gonna, we're going to close down your credit card because you haven't used it in a while. Well, I don't want that to come off my total debt utilization. So I use it one time. Use it one time. One thing, paid it off right away, and I moved on. So that's something that you can do to make sure that that, uh, that limit comes uh, doesn't get uh, too big. Uh, and then lastly, having too much debt makes you ineligible for some home loans. So your debt to income ratio is something you, you definitely want to monitor and make sure you're not, uh, you, you know, you're, you're not getting too high. And the way you calculate that, and so you want uh, lower than 50% for sure, but ideally below 43%. And so what you're gonna do is you're out of all your monthly debt payments, credit card payments, student loan payments, uh, all of that, and divide it by your gross income, not your net income, by your gross income. Make sure that's below 43%. We're heading into a break. Give me a call at 888-99-CHARTER.
Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. We're going to go to, who are we going to? We're going to James in New York. He wants to talk about Procter & Gamble. Yes, I was um, inquiring maybe about the ideal level to initiate a long-term position in Procter & Gamble. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a, it's a great question. Procter & Gamble, we all know what they do. Sell Tide and tons of different basic necessities that we uh, all use to some degree or another been around since 1837 and they generate about 80 billion dollars in annual sales so just huge company charmin toilet paper pampers diapers pantene shampoo tons of tons of of brand names that that we all know Uh, and now their business is growing low single digits it was growing in the high single digits during the pandemic, but that has slowed pretty dramatically. And earnings expectations for this year and next year are starting to be downgraded. Only 2% growth expected this year, 8% next year, but that's also likely to to come down. Uh, Now, if you look at the multiple that Procter & Gamble is trading at, it's trading still at relatively elevated valuations. Even though it's down 22% from its high, it's still trading at about 15.4% times an enterprise value to EBITDA. And it's usually not cheap until it gets closer to 10. Okay, closer to 10. Now it's at $128 per share. And so that means it have to go down another roughly 30%. And that honestly puts it at good chart support around $90. So 128 now. And if you look at the yield, 2.8%, nice. But where yields have gone in the bond market in general, I think this is going to get hit more because people are going to want a roughly corporate bond level of yield on a name like this that's very slow growth. That's just kind of going to grow with the overall economy. And it's not there yet, despite the 22% drop. So my level for you is $90 per share. Until it gets to there, I'm not really interested because my valuation uh, isn't isn't really, uh, I don't think it's valued, should be valued more than roughly $100 per share. And so I need a little discount for that. And I want to see some chart support. And that chart support comes in around 90 bucks. So I'm passing for now, but keep me on the watch list. Thanks for the call, James. Now, when people like to take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. And that means we're going to pivot over to NX Ken J says, been looking at ARCC for a while now, wondering if now would be a good time to start a position. Thank you for, for providing us such a wonderful source of information daily. No problem. Looking at ARCC, which is Aries Capital Corp. And this is one of those, I believe it's a monthly dividend payer. And a lot of people are attracted to this because it does pay a 10% yield and consistent dividends. Uh, but their business is to lend money to middle market firms. 
meaning not your public companies typically, but those that are not small businesses, but in the middle. That's what middle market means. So they don't have easy access to capital uh, as, as they do if they're, they're public, uh, but they turn to companies like Aries to lend them money. The problem with this is that they, they're like a bank and they're a bank that only lends to corporations. And so they have a lot of debt and that debt needs to be sustainable, meaning they have to consistently be paid back on their loans and do so at a rate that is uh, commensurate to the risk that they're taking. And when times are good, you don't feel that risk. When times are not so good, suddenly that risk starts to rear its ugly head. And that's why this is down so much. You go look at a monthly chart, it's down 24% from its 52 week high. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good bet right now. Going into a slowing economy with the cost of capital going up, I'm just not a fan of this. So I don't like these leveraged corporations that are lending to other leveraged corporations. Yeah, the, that interest rate sounds good, but frankly, you're starting to see, especially in the REIT market, you're seeing levels that are very close to that uh, and much safer entities. So I'm passing on Aries, A-R-C-C. -C. Thanks for the call. Now the next invest talk, the story behind this question. Has consumer demand already started to plunge? U.S. shippers report a 20% drop in ocean freight orders, including machinery, household products, industrial products, and apparel goods. Steve will get to that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Yeah, I own GDX, um, and I just wanted to get your opinion on it. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI 
promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E. Dot com, HackerOne.com No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, I'm looking at buying Target, ticker symbol TGT, and then company FedEx, ticker symbol FDX. Just wanted to get your opinion. Thanks. All right, looking at Target, and let's see, pull this up here. So Target is certainly down with most of retail because... We overconsumed. Said this a million times. We overconsumed in the pandemic. Everyone had was sitting at home, and all they had to do they couldn't go out and go out to eat. They couldn't travel, so they had extra cash and they spent it on things. And companies like Target, uh, especially those that uh, that they could withstand the pandemic uh, because of their their heft, and they did very well. Uh, but now they're have over too much inventory, and earnings are expected to come down. 40% this year from 1356 last year to $8.13. So earnings were down 89% last quarter. Uh, so you're starting to see that reversion to the mean. Now the question is it cheap enough? That's really the main question. And I would say it's it's about fairly valued. I don't think it's cheap yet around 150 uh cuz next year is supposed to make uh, $12 per share in 2024 fiscal year 2024 so on that basis it's relatively cheap but those estimates are coming down as well uh so long term i like target targets one of the, the the only names along with walmart that can compete with uh with amazon uh and they don't have i think the exposure to energy markets the way amazon does think of what's happening with amazon earnings because it costs a lot to ship and deliver things in two days for Amazon Prime. Target doesn't have to do that. They have a 
ton of distribution centers called stores around the world, around the country. And they're very well run. It's one of the best run retailers out there. So I like, to me, this is above Walmart on the list of quality uh, retailers. And uh, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up long term, but know that you're not getting a bargain at these levels. Now it is trying to make a higher low. So you're getting some indication that maybe it did hit uh, some support, some major support, uh, but it also just kind of consolidating around these levels. Ideally, I'd love to get this around 110. That's the major support level. Uh, so you're you're into one now. It's showing some signs. Doesn't mean it has to hold though. Doesn't mean that. So around 110, 115. That's the area that would get me super excited. Right now, I think it's just fairly valued. Uh, and then on FedEx, you know, FedEx is, I think, going to likely struggle. They're, they're in the midst of kind of what I said with Amazon. They're in the midst of what's happening with the cost of shipping. Uh, and I just don't see their business being, I see their business being challenged longer term. They're raising their prices. That means there's, there, there's easy competitors they're going to go to. Uh, I just don't love FedEx as a business, especially right now. So if I'm picking one or the other, I'm going to pick Target. Uh, but neither, with the economic backdrop, are super exciting for me. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 So you get through and ask your question on today's show. And let's pivot over to corporate earnings and really the dollar. And the dollar has is up huge so far this year. And a strong dollar can have adverse effects on corporations that sell goods overseas because their exports get more expensive. On the other side, those that have companies and manufacturing abroad that sell into the U.S. market, they actually benefit from the weaker currency, right? Because U.S. corporations can better afford those things. And these foreign exchange rate moves are pretty dramatic and much bigger than what you've seen over the past decade, really post-financial crisis because Fed policy had made relatively predictable. And this is the first time the Fed has really taken a hatchet to the economy on purpose. And many companies scaled back their hedging strategies, hedging programs that bought derivatives to kind of shield themselves from these currency fluctuations. And per usual, when you get complacent because of uh, recency bias, that rears its ugly head at the worst time. And that's what you've seen. Now, the U.S. dollar index is a basket of 16 different currencies. It's up more than 16% this year. And that's that means, and, and last quarter, it was its biggest quarterly jump since 2016. Okay. And companies are, are really feeling it. In August, Brett Taylor, the CEO of Salesforce, Said he expects foreign exchange headwinds to decrease full year sales by $80 million. Previously, they'd expected to be $600 million. So it's gone up even faster than most bullish analysts had been expecting. And in the third quarter alone, the dollar went up 9% against the British pound. That's why you've seen, seen problems in the uh, British pension system uh, due to the higher rates and, and weaker pound. And, and they're, they're kind of stepping in there. Uh, and so far, it's kind of quelled that issue. But a lot has changed. The Fed is now in overdrive. And the big question is, can the 
system handle it? And so far, maybe. And that's why I think the market's starting to price in a Fed pivot because the Fed doesn't want to take down uh, the entire system. They want to do as much, I think, as they can without creating systemic problems. And you're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, and, and ultimately, there's a very good chance they'll pivot because of that. Now, a strong dollar can mean good things, though, for certain businesses. For example, Swedish car maker Volvo. They say that earnings will increase 7% compared to the last 12 months because of a weaker Swedish krona, meaning they produce their products in Sweden and they export to the U.S. And the dollar has gained more than 20% this year against the Swedish krona. And so that's benefited their business because it makes those cars cheaper to import. And another positive is actually acquisitions. And you're starting to see U.S. companies use the dollar and the heft to buy foreign companies. Makes them a lot cheaper. So that's kind of how it can cut both ways. It just depends on the type of company, where the manufacturing base is located, and whether they sell to the rest of the world or they import here to the U.S. Now let's fit in another caller question. Listen closely. This goes by really fast. I was wondering about the company TWO, Two Harbors Investment Corps. All right, this is Two Harbors Investment Corp. This is a mortgage read. Mortgage reads are getting destroyed. This is, everyone keeps chasing yield. It pays a 20% yield, but it's down 50% over the past 12 months. And if you go all the way back to Let's see, it's high in June of last year. It was at $8. Now it's at $3.41. So down more like 60, 70% from its high. And mortgage, these mortgage REITs are the worst place to be when interest rates are going up. Now, if you want to bet on a Fed pivot, uh, this might be a go the other way. So short term, if uh, maybe it's better than betting on precious metals, even though they've moved a lot more than these mortgage rates so far over the past few days. Um, so maybe that's your bet. But ultimately, these are more destroyers of capital. They're returning your capital to you. They're issuing shares and they're taking on debt. And some are decently managed, but almost all of them are just returning your capital to you. So it looks like you're getting a 20% dividend, but they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. They're issuing shares in order to get the capital to pay out that dividend. So they're just diluting you, the shareholder. And then that makes it even harder for them to make that next dividend payment. And so they issue more shares or take on more debt. And it's not a sustainable situation. And that's why it's gone from 2017. This was trading at $20 per share. Now it's at $3.41. Just grinds you away. Okay, so no, on two harbors, T-W-O. Now let's pivot back to iTunes question. JDC Auburn in Beirut, Beirut, excuse me, Beirut says, not a criticism, but occasionally I've noticed Steve and Justin will slightly disagree with each other. Is, is it intentional that you don't focus on giving the same opinions? Also, please give me your take on your, uh, on your opinion on the 100-year-old boring sports equipment maker, Escalade, uh, ESCA. Pays a good dividend. I was thinking about buying it in the $8 range. So I'll address the first part. Do you know anyone that you agree with 100% of the time? 
No. Steve and I don't agree 100% of the time. I think we have the same ethos of buying good companies, good cash flows, dividends, uh, typically history of profitability, etc. But you can have you can have different you can have different views on what the excuse me. You have different views on how the market uh, will react, uh, how the economy is moving uh, in sectors that you like or dislike. So we're always going to disagree on some things. And frankly, that's healthy. If you have a bunch of yes men, then you have nobody kind of taking the other side. It's we do that in office. We are purposefully, we purposely take the other side, even though if we not necessarily disagree, we always try to bring the other argument. And you should do that for yourself. If you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of, you need to be the other side of the argument. Force yourself to make the other side of the argument and see how it balances out. And then when it comes to ESCA, this is Escalade. It's a manufacturer and distributor of sports goods, such as table tennis, pool table, and fitness equipment. Once again, a name that did very well during COVID, made 50 cents a share in 2019, $1.82 in 2020, and those earnings are coming down, earnings expectations are coming down. So it's now at 10, you wanna buy it at eight, so let's make $1.73 next year. I'm going to give $8 a thumbs up. There's pretty good support there. And long term, if you look at the profitability of the business, let me take a look here. Turn equity right now is about 15 and a half. And historically, it's it's typically been in the high teens to, to low 20s. So I like this longer term at $8. And now it's at 10. So I'm going to give that $8 buy. Thumbs up. Thanks for the call. Now our caller questions come in 24 seven, day and night, rain or shine. So let's go back to the Best Talk Voice Bank now at 888-99 chart. Hello, my name is Juliana and I wanted to get your opinion on Vale, uh, V-A-L-E is the ticker. I am considering to buy it. Just wondering if it's still a good time to invest or do you think it's too risky? It's international, let me know, thank you. All right, looking at Vale, which is a Brazilian company engaged in mining, exploration of minerals in Brazil and five other countries. Now, the first thing you have to understand is that 20% dividend yield, that's not going to be, you're not going to get that every time. It depends on foreign currency fluctuations, and they, they, they fluctuate their dividend all the time. So don't be buying it for the dividend because the dividend could easily be eliminated completely. And you just go look at the history of the dividend amount and paid $1.12 in 2016. And by 20, uh, what was that? Oh, 2012, excuse me. And by 2016, it paid $0.05 cents a share. And then went all the way back up to $1.50 in 2021. Now it's at $0.68. Cents. So it's going to be all over the place. This is not one of your consistent dividend payers. So you want to look at this, at this as a business. And what is their business? They, they're engaged in, uh, they, they mainly sell... Uh, iron ore, iron ore pellets, and it's one of the largest diversified mining companies. But once again, main business is iron ore and iron ore pellets. So building, especially in China, they're going to be exposed to that. This is a, uh, they export a lot to, to China to, to build steel and they're pulling back on their uh, real estate market. So that's something to consider. 
Uh, but overall, I like it. I like commodity producers. Is it my favorite out there? Probably not. Uh, it's starting to recover nicely and, and it's starting to remain in a broader uptrend. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but understand don't buy it for that dividend. Buy it for exposure to the iron ore market and the commodities market overall. Now let's squeeze in one more caller question here. Hi, this is Paige from Sunnyvale. We don't talk much about clothing companies on this show. I'm curious what you think about Lululemon Athletica is a pretty beloved brand. And so I'm curious at what price you guys might start to feel good about this stock. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Looking at Lulu and Hey, I, I actually, I, I wear Lulu all the time. I love their, their pants. They have some uh, very nice looking kind of professional pants that are, that are very comfortable. So I love their products. Uh, my girlfriend loves their products. I can't, can't complain about that, but their stock is pretty expensive. Uh, if you look at uh, any, any reasonable multiple, now they don't have, they actually have net cash in their balance sheet. So if you look at enterprise value to EBIT, it's about 19. And typically this isn't cheap until it gets into the low teens. 2014, it got there uh, during kind of the slowdown in, in, uh, in consumer spending. Same with 2017, 18, got to 10 or 11 uh, times. And if you look at just simply based on the P ratio, it's trading at 30 times earnings. Too expensive in my book, especially with a slowing consumer. So look what happened to Nike and their inventory uh, going up. And I don't think they're going to be able to sustain the same level of growth. So if you ask me, should I buy it today? No, I think it's too expensive. Where's my value? About $200 per share. Now it's at 292. So I need yeah, about a 30% drop from here for me to get interested in Lululemon. Definitely on the watch list. This Invest Talk, we're heading into our final break. So give me a call now at 888 chart. Hi, guys. How you doing? This is uh, Matt in Connecticut. And uh, thank you for all that you guys uh, do. It's a very um, great program that has that I've learned a lot from. Question for you. Uh, I'm looking to find out about uh, ways that you determine cash flow and free cash flow on uh, on equities now with rising interest rates. Uh, looking for good solid companies that don't have to borrow a lot of money. I just wanted to see what your um, indicators are on a stock that I could possibly uh, look up that determine which companies have good cash flow. Well. You can simply look at their statement of cash flows. You should have systems that hopefully screen for that uh, and their free cash flow levels. And there's three different types of cash flow. There's cash from operations in your natural course of doing business. That should always be positive to some degree. Uh, there's cash from investing, which means that uh, money they say they want to invest some cash into short term securities turn some interest on that could be cash from investing. Maybe it's buying a stake in a, a small uh, company within their industry, whatever that is. So oftentimes that is negative. So that's fine. Uh, but obviously you don't want that to be too dramatic. And then there's cash from financing. And oftentimes that's negative if they're buying back stock or they're paying a dividend. Um, if they are, what else? If they're raising capital, if they're 
raising debt, if they're selling shares, that would be a positive uh, contribution to cash from financing. So ultimately, you really want to focus on companies that have good cash from operations. There are a lot of companies, especially as of late, where they might show good cash flow, but it's because they're selling shares or they're issuing debt. And so you need to make sure that you're screening for companies that have uh, consistently consistent cash from operations and hopefully growing cash from operations. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's talk a bit about the credit card industry. And a lot of fintechs have grown up as of late. Think of Square or now Block Financial, uh, as well as PayPal and, and Apple Pay. And there's just a lot of pay- ways to pay for your your things. Uh, even Apple Pay is actually MasterCard. Uh, but you can send money back and forth to people. Think of Venmo, Zelle, which is you know part of uh, the big uh, banks kind of got together for that. But the move or the trend is more towards pay to bank, which means you're paying from your bank directly. Sorry, not pay to bank, pay by bank. You're paying from your bank directly to the end uh, end business. And JP Morgan is doing some big spending here when it comes to R&D to make this happen. And this is a big threat to the lucrative fees earned by banks and Visa and MasterCard. So Visa, MasterCard, and American Express, in some ways, have good relationships with banks. Because banks are typically the ones lending, Visa and MasterCards are the one are the ones actually processing the payments. And there's kind of a fight within JP Morgan on this because there's parts of JP Morgan Chase that make a lot of money off this. And they they built their own mobile payment platform for merchants like Square, uh, and it kind of fizzled out. But what you're starting to see is that this move into pay by bank is being demanded from merchants, Amazon, Walmart. The average interchange fee is about 1.8% per transaction here in the US. In the EU, that's capped at 0.3% for credit card payments and 0.2% for debit card payments. Pretty crazy. Now, in 2020, merchants in the US paid about $110 billion in processing fees for $7.6 trillion worth of card transactions. And while Zelle is getting bigger, it's not really used for retail payments. It's very limited in that sense. But bank transfers have caught on in a lot of other countries, Netherlands, India, especially. And here in the US, it's been slow. A lot of it has to do with, we're still on a very old 70s style technology. Uh, but the Fed is trying to launch, trying to ramp up FedNow, which is a more of a rapid uh, payment system for banks. And the long, in the long term, banks need to make sure uh, that they're ready for potential demise of credit cards. Because frankly, I think 10 years from now, we're not going to have the same level of use for credit cards. They might still be, you know, kind of in the background, uh, but. With all the advancing technologies and a lot of players trying to crack this code uh, and the fact that merchants want this, merchants don't want to have to pay this 1.8%. So if you're looking at 
the Visa and MasterCards of the world, you definitely want to be weary. And that's why I don't think those type of companies deserve the type of premium that the markets put on them. So I want to give you a heads up on some trends within that, that fintech space and the payment space and be aware that, you know, it's going to transform over the next decade plus. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And we officially reached or exceeded the 45.8 million mark thanks to you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing.